Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to my favourite takeaway, the podcast for people who love food but can't always be bothered to cook it. Uh, it's just me here because Tom is in Paris. Uh, he did, however, send a voice memo from France. Shall we hear what he's got to say? Hi, Sim. Uh, Tom here. Now, this probably isn't ideal because you know how we were supposed to meet up and record the beginning of the show uh, for this week's episode. Unfortunately, I've forgotten um, that I am in Paris this weekend, which is where I am now. I'm, I'm in Paris, in France. So, unfortunately, I'm unable to do that. So, this is me just saying, would you mind doing all of that bit at the top on your own? Um, that would just be great. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm absolutely useless. But I will see you when I'm back, and I'll bring you, like, a big Toblerone from the airport or something. Okay, see you soon. Bye! Sorry! A Toblerone. That's what's going to bring back a Toblerone. Come on, mate. I want a souffle at least. All right. Okay. Let's get on with it, shall we? Our guest this week is the legendary Ken Hom. Ken joined us from his home in Bangkok, uh, and he basically nipped out to one of the street food stores right outside his apartment, picked up a takeaway before our chat. And I definitely speak on behalf of Tom when I say it was one of our favorite records we've ever done. The man is a legend. We hope you enjoy it. Well, for me, this is a genuine honour and uh, an absolute treat. I could not be happier to be joined by our guest today, the wonderful Ken Hom. Uh, Ken, I, I can't thank you enough. I've been a huge fan of your everything you've done, basically, all your TV work, all your cookbooks. In fact, this cookbook that I have here beside me, which is Ken Hom's Complete Cookbook, is, I would say, my, my most used cookbook in my kitchen. Ken, I am not a fan, actually, at all. Um, and so for me, this is a massive disappointment. I'm not going to invite you over for whiskey now. <laughs> this is a big disappointment. Talking whiskey, Ken, Ken has a whiskey prepared already because it's 5.30 where you are. Is that right, Ken? Absolutely. It's pretty heresy for, I think, hardcore whiskey drinkers because I put ice in it. You can still smell the aroma. I dilute it, so... Mm. Oh, it's wonderful. <laughs> so, so, you, so you spend most of your time in Bangkok now, do you? Yes. Usually from November to, to April, I come here. You know, Tom, I'm, a, I'm an old guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an old country. I hate cold, <laughs> cold weather. So <laughs> when it gets cold in Europe, I leave. <laughs> and, and the thing is, it, it's amazing because there are so many Brits who are living here as well. It's unbelievable. I mean, I meet people 
let's say, hi, Ken, how are you? You know, I'm at the supermarket. Brits, they love to travel. They can't wait to get on the plane and go somewhere. It's the weather. That's what it is. <laughs> no, I know. It's, they're escaping them. <laughs> it's, not a, like, it's not a wanderlust. It's just simply it's cold here. <laughs> <laughs> you guys won't believe it. What uh, I had in Bangkok about three weeks ago was fish and chips. <laughs> really? <laughs> With mushy peas? With mushy peas. With mushy peas. Oh, I think some parts of uh, Great Britain calls it mushy and some calls that mushy, right? <laughs> <laughs> and how, how does Bangkok fish and chips hold up? What was it like? Was it good? It was really fantastic. A Singaporean friend took me to Kok Hai and it's a New Zealand restaurant, New Zealand, New Zealand, as they say, New Zealand. <laughs> and it was packed, 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 packed. Uh, and you can have fish and chips. With, I mean, I would never want my fish and chips breaded, but you could have it that way if you want. Of course, I had to have it in beer batter, which is the way to have it. But it was so delicious. Does that mean that at long last, British cuisine... <laughs> It's now becoming of interest around the world. It's something I'd never thought I'd hear because, like, classically, people like Brits don't really have any, apart from the roast, and that's it. But it's actually happening. It's beginning. The thing is, um, there's no toad in the hole. (laughs) 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 I bet you guys don't remember what that is. (laughs) We we have it every morning. Every morning it's a toad in the hole. A very happy start to the day. <laughs> Don't hold a spot of dick for dessert. That's it. That's just a classic <laughs> English way of starting starting the day. But Ken, if you were to do yeah. fish and chips your way, how would you do a fish and chips? You know, I'm one of these people that will always doctor things a little bit. I believe in learning classic fish and chips, but I would put some things in, for instance, the seasoning. I would add a little pinch of five spice powder in the batter. Mm. for example. So they said, God, this is fish and chips. "Mm, It's a little bit different. I love that sort of difference, which is actually what makes modern British food so exciting. You're not an island anymore, cooking a certain way. And now it's amazing. I was asked to contribute a recipe for the coordination, His Majesty, coming up. Oh, wow. It was one of three chefs uh, actually chosen, which really touched me a lot. And what I did was I, I did a rack of lamb, British lamb, because also I'm a great ambassador, pushing good British basic products, British lamb, but with an Asian style marinade. I take things like soy sauce and uh, all these kinds of ginger and mix it with mustard and then coat the lamb with that. And I think they chose it because I said it's a reflection about how British food has change. You see young British chefs now using all these Asian products, uh, ideas they put in their recipes. And now uh, Great Britain has some of the best food in Europe. Guys like you growing up with all sorts of food. I mean, you come into even not only London, all these big cities, uh, Manchester, it's a kaleidoscope of food. It's the same thing here in Bangkok. I love it because the food is just everywhere and you just smell it. <laughs> it's great. And I think that's, it almost feels like it's stepped on again over the last 10 or 15 years in terms of uh, the sort of subdivision of different types of cuisine. So in London, for example, where I live, there's Sichuanese food, there's more classic Chinese, there's all these different, there's a, a Hainese restaurant, all these different types of splitting up. There seems to be 
such a sort of interest in food now that now different specific cultures can be reflected in takeaways and in restaurants in a way that maybe 20 years ago even that wasn't happening. It's amazing. I remember going to Chinese restaurants in London, in Soho, in Chinatown, and they're serving fish and chips. I said, that's not Chinese. (laughs) 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 Or chips with curry sauce. I said, where's that come from? (laughs) Because they, they had to survive and they had to serve things which people wanted to eat to come into their restaurant. I mean, by the time I did my first uh, television series, things were available in the 80s. It was beginning to open up. And of course, now you have too much of everything. And something that worries me that people are eating too much of the wrong things. Mm. We must go back to gardens. I mean, you have some of the best strawberries in the world. But why are you eating them in December, in January, yeah. right? Do you think that abundance means that people don't appreciate the ingredients as they would have in the past and how to treat them respectfully and to use them as the best they might? Tom, we need to learn how to live seasonally again. When spring comes, asparagus is sprouting out. That's when you should eat it. And then you'll eat mm-hmm. it for five weeks and you'll get sick of it. <laughs> then you wait for the next asparagus season. But if you can have it all the time, I hate to tell you, but food is like sex. You know, if you have it all the time, it's not the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> it, <laughs> I often skip seasons sex-wise, so that I have, <laughs> I have fallow, fallow, fallow seasons. <laughs> yeah, once a season. Uh, <laughs> exactly. But Ken, I, I guess the challenge for people is you end up just going to the local Sainsbury's or Tesco or wherever, and they don't stock things seasonally. So I presume you'd be going to a local, your local grocer instead who might decide to stock things seasonally. So how would you encourage people to eat more seasonally without it feeling like it impinges on their, on their sort of daily life? That's a very interesting question. I've always been mean (laughs) <laughs> they call me cheap. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, you know, my mom, we were very poor when we were growing up. So when you eat seasonally, you eat by price. The cheapest things, the least expensive, are the ones that are in abundance. Mm. And that that's mm. how my mom used to shop. Interesting. Mm. If you look at the price of everything, when something is the harvest time of this or that, that's when the prices are really super low. And you go, but if you just follow the price. That's really interesting. You will see. That's a good guide. And especially during these times now where we're watching our pennies. Yeah. I think it's even more yeah. uh, important. I want my new book to be called Delicious, Green, and Mean. <laughs> That's great. I love that. That's really great. Talking about cooking, I just... Of course, yes. You have food right in front of you. Oh, there we are, a full bag. Where have you got this from and and what what have you got? This is from a lady outside of my condominium on the street. Uh, So it's street food selling from a cart or what's what's the situation? Yeah. She has a stall where she cooks. And what it is, it is really, truly wonderful. It's the best fried chicken marinated. (sighs) Uh, this This is really good. It's nice and crispy. That looks so good. They give it to you with a skewer like that. Wow. And, oh my God, my mouth is watering. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. Oh, 
I see. It's just so good. It just smells so wonderful. Oh, my God. What makes it so good, Ken? Uh, it must be the spices they put in. It's nice and hot, and the aroma is unbelievable. And what is just as good is the sauce that they give you, which is this spicy... Uh, let me see if I can do that. Yeah, spicy sauce. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, you just... You did just dip the chicken in that. It's better than sex. <laughs> so is that a, is that a curry sauce or what, what's the, what's the sauce mm. there? What, what's the? Oh, no, yeah. it's a fish sauce with fish just sauce. a lot of spices. Mm. Oh my god, guys, it's too wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> so these these stalls that are in the street outside your apartment in Bangkok are they all cooking one specific simple dish like that? Is it really specific? Exactly. They stick to what they know. This lady, she and her husband, they make chicken only. And you know what they sell, which is you can't find all the time, is chicken skin. It's chicken skin that they fry. Mm, I love chicken skin. Oh, my God. That is so good. Oh, my God. No, it's your cholesterol goes up. <laughs> but it is so addicting. I mean, why do people go into drugs when they can have that? <laughs> Meeting people down back alleys for... <laughs> <laughs> 100 pounds worth of chicken skin i'll tell you what though ken not chicken skin when it's not fried and salty and 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 lovely and when it's wibbly <laughs> it's not so great for me i think and quite often you'll find that there's a chicken thigh with a bit of wibbly chicken skin on it <laughs> and that i don't know what that's doing it's so true <laughs> wibbly chicken skin is the worst thing i think in food it's horrendous yeah. it's almost as bad as is as, as a bit of runny egg white in a fried egg that's just that's just in between the yolk and the rest of the cooked egg white yeah <laughs> do you love to cook yes oh yeah yeah i cook quite a lot yeah hugely and uh it's it's a huge pleasure for me and i, I do find sim simplicity is key and nurturing your understanding of how to use ingredients is is really important and do you cook a specific type of food or you just do everything? I do cook a lot of Indian food. I cooked for my entire family a few days ago. My mom said there were seven people coming over and then she called up and said, oh, no, wait, sorry, there's 20 people. But, oh. Okay. <laughs> you <laughs> cooked for 20 people. So what did you make? I made a very straightforward lamb curry. Wow. How big's your oven? My mom brought a massive, huge vat over. So yeah. I, I, I used two, and I used two at the same time. I took a fortnight it's... off work. I bought <laughs> 65 <laughs> chickens. <laughs> I used to watch my, my grandmother do it and just follow her recipe. And, the, we, and we, we talk about Indian food quite a lot on the, on the podcast. But the, the two things that I think is always important to remember, one is how crucial it is to slowly fry your onions until they get, I mean, almost quite dark, very caramelized, and then... I never use as much tomato sauce as other people use, uh, as many chopped tomatoes. Not for 20, obviously, but if you're cooking for, th for three or four people. Is your food spicy? Yeah, it is, it is, it is a bit spicy, but it's, it's a lot of fresh chilies right, right at the beginning and then maybe some chilli powder al al alongside the other, the other spices. But it's, not, it's, it's balanced. When are you going to invite me over? Ken, <laughs> that's a question I think I've been waiting for my entire life. <laughs> so, uh, whenever, whenever you like, you're welcome to come over. It would be a little bit annoying if Ken Hom comes over to visit and then you're no. cooking. I'd be <laughs> absolutely distraught about that. No, no, no. I love other people's food. I mean, nothing gives me more pleasure. How about you, Tom? Well, actually, 
one of my favorite types of food to cook is Sichuanese food. So I really like gongbao chicken. Mm -hmm. My wife is not a huge fan of spicy food, so I have to cook it when she's away it's with the kids. Right. So I sort of, <laughs> it's, it's, it's my little dish I cook on my own. But yeah, a lot of Asian food. I like things with, with a kick. I like Sichuan peppercorns, that sort of numbing flavor. I, I, I enjoy that. Have you ever been to Thailand? I've never been to Thailand, no. It is fantastic. You know what they have? It's called the Prik Nam Pla, which is a fish sauce with chopped chilies oh, mm. and garlic. I'm actually addicted to it so that even when I travel, I put it in a little thing so I can throw it on any food on the plane. Oh, that's <laughs> such a, that is such a baller move. I love that. I love that that, that you bring your own chilies. <laughs> oh, yeah. Do you want to hear something quite tragic? You, you might think this is, this is terrible. When I'm cooking with chilies, I find they affect my eyes so much, I will sometimes wear my son's swimming goggles. <laughs> so... <laughs> As a way, I don't know what I'm supposed to do to do. It's like particularly hot chilies. Is there is there a knack to that? Are you supposed to be putting a spoon in your mouth or some something like that? But I end up popping these goggles on as a way of sort of dealing with it. Spoon in your mouth. There is a thing about a spoon in the mouth, isn't there? If you put the chilies in cold water before you deal with it, you will find that it will not give you that sort of things. Oh, interesting. Okay, I'm now actually Simran's face. I'm now starting to doubt that the spoon in the mouth thing is real. I'd heard there was something about putting a spoon in your mouth and sucking on it. It meant that you didn't weren't affected by the chilies. I think that's a different kind of activity, Tom, and, and, and for 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 another podcast for maybe a different day. Now your son is not listening to this, is he? <laughs> no, exactly, exactly. So, Ken, so to take you back to your early childhood, because obviously the show is very much about takeaways. Am, am I right in thinking you grew up in in Chinatown? Is that right? Your uncle ran a Chinese restaurant, is that right? Yes. Actually, uh, English is my second language uh, because I did not speak English until I was six, six years old. Unfortunately, my dad passed away when I was eight months old. Uh, and my mom, who's from China, never spoke English and spoke to me in Cantonese. And we had a hard, hard time. Um, after several years, the insurance money ran out. And so she had to get a job, which is one reason why we moved to Chicago. And we lived in Chinatown because my mother does not speak English. In Chinatown, you can't misbehave. Everybody knows who you are. <laughs> they know your face. <laughs> yeah. So when I tried to steal, you know, comic books, you know, comic books, uh, I don't think they exist anymore, right? Do they still exist? No, they're, they're actually very popular. They still, they still do very well. They're very popular. I couldn't steal them because everybody knew who I was. <laughs> and that's the same now as well, being famous. It's the same now you can't steal because everyone knows that's Ken Hall. No. <laughs> so I suppose the bedrock of Chinatown, that would have been, would have been a lot of takeaways, a lot of restaurants. That's where most of the trade and work was coming from, I guess, at that point. Right. So my uncle offered me a job where um, I can work on weekends and on school holidays at his restaurant. It was a very successful restaurant, and it was fascinating because it was hard work. Yeah, but ooh, I like making money. <laughs> <laughs> but I had to give it to my mom. So, what sort of age were you at this point? I was. Uh, I began at age eleven. Oh wow, age eleven. Were you cooking at that at that point, or no? I sometimes I would be um, doing a lot of prep. One of my nightmares, you guys, you imagine peeling. 200 pounds, which is uh, almost 100 kilos of prawns oh. on Saturday morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and 
after you kill them, you devein them. Oh, God. You must be so good at deveining them. Yeah, but well, <laughs> I, I hated prawns for a long time. So do, you, so, do you, so do you have some sort of PTSD around prawns now? Do you, can you, do you have to have someone else prepare them for you? Or is it, what's the situation? This is what I love about Bangkok. You can buy them already, devein and peel. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, did you have many takeaways? Or were you always cook, cooking at home? That's interesting about having takeaways. The only takeaways we would ever have is when we went to banquets. Somebody got married. We loved it. And even when somebody died, we went to banquets. So we took home all the leftovers. And that's what actually people should do. When they go to restaurants, they order too much. They should not leave it. They should take it back home. This is another lesson. Mm. Nothing is better than heating up leftovers. I love that. I don't have to cook. I agree with that. And I don't, I don't even know why there seems to be this need to refer to that as a doggy bag, as if people are embarrassed to admit they're going to eat it themselves. They have to go, no, Hello. this is for the dog when I get home. But no, Hello. we all know what's going to happen. We're going to have, this, is, this is my breakfast tomorrow morning. <laughs> I love my dogs, but I would never give leftovers like that. <laughs> <laughs> my dogs were, were not into crispy shredded beef and egg fried rice growing up. That was another thing. They were. <laughs> I bet they would be. Uh, absolutely. It's interesting, guys, because living here in Bangkok, I hate to admit this to you, but I do do delivery, which is called Food Panda. And it's wonderful because I don't make, for instance, pizza. And there's a Italian pizza that can deliver, which is good. And people are using paper and all this kind of stuff instead of plastic now. And even Chinese food. I mean, there's Chinese food that I would make myself. But for instance, roast duck or roast pork belly, I have it delivered. And nothing is better then eating good food in front of the telly. I'm watching BBC News here in Bangkok. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. Actually, on that, well, so take, take, take us through. When you get to you've got uh, a pizza, what, what is your ritual for having a takeaway? How are you enjoying that? What do you, what, where, how are you eating it? What I do is if I know I'm getting a pizza, I'm already heating up my oven. Oh. By the time they deliver it to you, it's not hot enough. And... I'm a real pain in the you-know-what because I like <laughs> my pizza super crispy. Do you? Okay. Yes, I'm exactly the same. I don't like soggy. Like, for instance, I don't like soggy chips. I like crispy chips. <laughs> Couldn't agree more. And are you, are you adding anything to the pizza, by the way, Ken? So when it arrives, do you give it your own little twist before it goes no, in the oven? No, because I know where it's coming from. But I have my chili oil already. Uh, I've just realised what you said. So you don't, you literally don't, you don't mean just to heat through the pizza. You see, so you would blast it enough to give it even more of a crisp. Absolutely, as if I'm in the restaurant. That's amazing. That's the difference between a chef and a civilian. There, I, I will sometimes. Um, yeah, I'm a chef. I'm a chef. <laughs> I, I will, I'm ordering a pizza though. I, I will often say on the phone. Do it well done, it's a, or, or yes. I'll ring them just to check that they've done it well done. Because I'm so panicked. <laughs> well done instead of what medium rare. Yes. Medium rare for your American hot. <laughs> okay, so, so you've crisped up your pizza in the oven, and, and, then, and then where are you going with it? Where are you settling down to eat it? Oh, in front of the telly, watching my latest series, <laughs> my glass of wine or sake or whatever. Like, for instance, I don't do sushi. And uh, for takeaway, um, we have a wonderful Japanese food here in Bangkok. Do you know why? Because there's a huge expat Japanese population that live here ah. because on your Japanese pension here in Thailand, 
you can live much better. Ah, okay. So Japanese food is awesome. I mean, yeah. we're talking about Japan standards. I've been to Japan many times, and when it's good, it's ecstatic. Except you wouldn't get a sushi takeaway, or you're saying you would get sushi takeaway? Yeah, yeah. You okay? You would, yeah. I would have it delivered. <laughs> have it delivered, <laughs> delivered. Yeah, yeah. So you think Bangkok street food and takeaways is good as anywhere you've tried in the world? These street stalls that are so wonderful. Can you give us some examples of the sort of things that people are buying and are available on the streets of Bangkok that are so wonderful? People here specialize in making something. Uh, they don't try to be everything to everybody. And this is what I, I also tell chefs: you know, don't try to make everything. Just do the things that you do well, that you love to eat, and that's what they do in Bangkok. Like for example, my chicken lady down there, she and her husband, they just specialize in chicken, fried chicken, in every form, from the skin to thighs, which I love it because they bone it out after they they fry it. They have wings, everything. They just do chicken. You can go to another stall that does nothing, which I buy from this guy. Is I love it. He does orange juice that he presses by hand. He <laughs> presses by hand, not by machine. Coconut juice, and then he delivers it to my flat. I mean, it's wonderful. Uh, another people would just specialize in lunch dishes: rice with some. Green curry, chicken curry, and a fried egg. These things cost like a quid, even less really? sometimes. And you go, my God, you can't even these days get a cup of coffee for a quid. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And is it is it a bit like that Hong the Hong Kong experience where people are often eating out because there aren't kitchens in their homes? Is that with smaller flats and smaller smaller apartments? Because I know that's the case in some parts of Asia. Is is that the case in Bangkok? No, the case in Bangkok is that. Uh, workers, people who are working in offices, mm, and okay. they want something good and quick to eat. You know, they're on a budget, but they can eat very, very well. And it's actually much better than a sandwich because it's actually cooked for you. I tell you what, I love walking through the streets here. Just the smells, the odors are just so wonderful. People cooking in their walks and everything. Oh, it it makes me really. Hungry, my mouth starts salivating. <laughs> and also, you know what is wonderful because it's a food culture. People have an innate taste of food. In other words, if you see people queuing up at a restaurant, as my Thai friends say, "Bingo!" You know that restaurant is good, even though you never heard of it. And forget about all the press and all this thing about. Listen, people, they use how do you say? Their money. <laughs> they vote. They vote with their feet in that sense. Yeah, yeah. And if it's not good, you're not going to survive. It's kind of doggy dog. What I mean by that is, if you're not good, you're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. So let's say if you 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 have a lovely glass of whiskey there. If you've had a few drinks with friends and you're going home, it's midnight. You're on your way home, or whatever. Would you ever allow yourself? I feel embarrassed saying the words. A McDonald's or something like that. As a chef, would you ever do that? Ooh. That's the correct response. <laughs> not not how not how I live my life, but it's uh, <laughs> as a chef, that's the correct response. So, what would be your equivalent to that sort of thing? If it's if it's a like uh, just before I go to bed, soak up the drinks sort of meal. I've always been a creature of habit. Before I go to bed, I don't eat or drink 
I eat when it's time to eat. Maybe it's because of the way I grew up. And if you do that, you become regular. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, got you. (laughs) That's sound advice. So when you do get takeaways now, uh, when you get them in in Bangkok, are, are there things about takeaway culture that annoy you or any gripes or frustrations you have with takeaway foods? Are there things that ever disappoint you about it? I try to avoid takeaways which use too much plastic. I also do not like takeaways that don't ask me, do I want utensils and things like that? You know how they automatically give you all this junk and then you can have yes. to throw it away? I hate that. I think restaurants have to learn to be ethical as well. You ask people what they need or want. Uh, I love deliveries now and takeaways that use paper. Yes. So that I can put it all in recycling. I could just rinse it and put it in recycling. And what's wrong with that? And we're, we're just fed up with plastic. I mean, it, it's, it's not good for the world. Absolutely. I, I think that's very, very important. My pizza guy, he's Italian, and everything is in all paper. <laughs> so it's great. Do you know what's great about that, Ken? It's not only is it in paper, but you have your own dedicated pizza guy. <laughs> and that, <laughs> that, that, I think, would make any of our listeners jealous. Guess what? Being a chef, you know. <laughs> you, know every, you know the best. There's a mafia. There's a, it's a chef mafia. <laughs> <laughs> and you're the Don. <laughs> I do wonder when you ring if if they do put extra effort into your pizza. I I think that's kind of interesting. If if they get to know someone and they know that you're a, a renowned chef, whether they go, okay, we really need to make this they, pizza. They must. Good. They need to. Uh, the time, the care. They must think it's a prank. If you, but they must think <laughs> it's not really Ken Holm that we're delivering to. Are we actually delivering? But everyone must know you, Ken. So they must all they must all make a special effort. You know, Tom who just showed me that book, it's also in Italian. Oh, really? Okay. It still continues to be a bestseller in Italy. When I have books like that, I give it to the Italian chef so they make sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Well, on, on the subject of Chinese food, very briefly, if we're talking about takeaways, because I, I tend to be quite... Pedestrian is probably the cruel but fair way of describing it. No, in, in, in restaurants, I'm more adventurous, a far more adventurous. But when it comes to takeaway, there's something about, well, if it's here, there's, well, that's what I'm stuck with. So I, I, I'm slightly more risk averse in terms of the dishes I go for. But if I'm in a restaurant, I'll try different things. I'm far more adventurous. Yes. So Chinese takeaway, traditionally what I would get, and you'll probably think it's awful, I, I will go for just a steamed rice. Yeah. Uh, I like pak choy or yeah. just uh, seasonal vegetables with cashew nuts. I like that as a size, something simple. Can't screw up on that. But this is the one you'll, you'll think is awful, I'm sure. A Sichuanese crispy shredded beef, which I'm aware is probably quite a westernized take on what it's actually like. But I really like that flavor. But see, is it still crispy when it comes to mm, Good question. Yes, I found one place where it is crispy. It's better okay. when it's hot in the restaurant, but I have found the one place. However, trying to change that going forward, can you give me give me a new Chinese takeaway order? Give, I, I'd like a... Uh, a main dish, a side dish, and a rice that I can be trying going forward to try and break this, <laughs> this repetitive <laughs> Groundhog Day that I'm in. <laughs> you know what is really nice that people have never tried, which is wonderful, are rice noodles, flat rice noodles cooked in a hot wok. It's so flavorful, and you could have it with chicken, pork, or whatever you want, or even yeah. vegetarian. 
So that's wonderful. You know, people don't think about tofu because the minute they think about tofu, they think, uh, it's some kind of hippy trippy, uh, horrible food. And you should order crispy tofu that is with chilies, salt, and garlic. <gasps> My God. Yes, I have had that in a restaurant and it's absolutely beautiful. So how is that cooked? I'm always fascinated by that. Well, the tofu is fried. Yes. And then it's fried with the spices. So the salt is coming. Is that literally salt that's thrown into the wok? No, no. It's salt mixed with chilies, spices, garlic. Yes. Exactly. Pepper and onion often, isn't it, oh. as well? Yes. It's amazing. Oh, God, that sounds good. I've converted carnivorous guests of mine. <laughs> <laughs> and they eat that. And they go, wow. Wow. If you're ever chased by a meat-eating animal that's got you trapped in a corner, chuck a piece of salt and pepper tofu (laughs) and the bear will run away. Exactly. Okay, so I'm going to try that. So flat noodles, rice noodles, salt and pepper tofu side. uh, That's going to be my new takeaway going forward. Thank you. That's great. So, Ken, this might sound like a a weird question, but when did you realize you were were good at cooking? Like you you could do it? You know, guys, after working in my uncle's restaurant, until I was about 15. Remember, this is all illegal. You're not allowed to work, actually. We were paid in cash. At age 15, I thought, well, bugger this. I mean, number one, the restaurant business, more than 12 hours a day. Why would anybody in their right mind want to be in the restaurant business? So fast forward, I got jobs as a messenger. I worked in offices, things like that. And then you guys have to remember, this was in the late 60s, 70s, the age of flower children. I was a flower child. I, right. I, I had long hair. I had more hair than both of you guys. Very long. I was a hippie. I did things um, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. And I used to cook. And I thought, okay. Then I started being interested in, in European French cooking and things like that. And that led me to come to Europe. That's when I came to Europe for the first time in the 70s. And it was a whole new discovery. And I thought, I'm going to really have to work on my fish and chips if I'm going to make fish and chips. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, then I, I come back from Europe in the early 70s and I had to make a, a living, pay my rent. And so actually I started teaching cookery. Chinese cookery. I did a cookery school. I opened up a cookery school in the late 70s. And that led to my first book being commissioned by the, the biggest New York publisher at that time, American publisher, which actually brought awareness to BBC because already I had a book by Simon Schuster, which was then the biggest US publisher. And I also was teaching uh, professional chefs how to cook. And I would bring them to Hong Kong. And because I spoke Cantonese, that really helped a lot. Because I was in Hong Kong, I felt like I was at home. Because, guys, I grew up with my mom watching all these Kung Fu films. Hey, I knew about Kung Fu long before. (laughs) (laughs) Ken, where do people go wrong with Chinese food the most? What's the biggest mistake you see people make? Chinese food is best when it's simple. Leave complicated recipes to chef. I mean, it's just like food that you get anywhere. 
I hate all these cookery programs where they want you to be like a chef. That's when you go to a restaurant. You don't want to be doing that at home. And something I've always uh, tried to emphasize is simplicity. Get the best ingredients that your budget can afford and keep it simple. Just make it taste good. That's all you need to do. Yes, uh, it's got quite dark over there, Kim, where you are. Is it getting dark where you are now? Oh, yeah, that's right. It's, it's almost seven o'clock now, so it's it's quite dark now. When, when night comes here, it goes boom, like that. Look, this is how we usually end our podcast. We usually ask a final question. I think our final question for you would be, have you ever had a takeaway disaster or a meal disaster or a kitchen disaster, something that's gone really badly wrong? No. Um... <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Ken Hom. <laughs> and that's Ken Hom, everyone. <laughs> the perfectionist chef. 62 years of cooking, and I'm very careful about what I put in my mouth. And what I mean by that is I'd rather not eat than to have bad food. So <laughs> I'm really careful. Are there any are there any stories from the restaurant or, uh, let's say, growing up in Chinatown, any, any times where you, when things have gone wrong, have you heard of some disaster? Uh, no, because my uncle was very successful and very strict, and he would well, not <laughs> any disaster. And this is why you're so successful, this Ken. This is why you're successful. <laughs> 62 years and no major disasters. Before we leave you, I've just realised, so you've showed us the chicken from your takeaway dish. Was there anything else in that bag? It was quite a sizable bag that you, you had there, just to check. Yeah. You know, what, are the, what are the other dishes you have? No, this is what, they, they take the breast meat, and yep. they uh, make it into like an omelet. Oh. And so you don't get, you know how chicken breast can be so dry? Yeah. It's not dry at all. It's just really wonderful in the sauce. Oh, guys. I'm very jealous. <laughs> very jealous. Very jealous. Come to Bangkok. Absolutely, yeah. We would love to come to Bangkok, yeah. <laughs> Ken, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. It's, yeah, an absolute pleasure and an honor. So thank you so much for giving your time. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, guys. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. You can contact the show on Twitter at favetakeawaypod or Instagram on my favorite takeaway podcast. You can email us with your stories of takeaway, woe, gripes, your worries on hello at myfavoritetakeawaypodcast.com. Wasn't that a brilliant chat? The great Ken Hom in very fine form. I love the fact that he takes uh, a fish sauce with him everywhere he goes to spice up his food. 
I think I might start doing the same thing, have some ground cumin, some garam masala. Now, please do get in touch with us with your favorite takeaway disasters, your gripes, your pictures, send it all. And please rate, review and subscribe so as not to miss an episode. Tune in next week for another episode of My Favourite Taker, where our guest is the very funny John Robbins. See you then. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavour. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.